We welcome your ears. We welcome your ears. We welcome your ears. Silence exists before sound, and sound fades in silence. This process is perceived as music. Listening to the Sill Podcast with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Episode 168 Planetary Postcards. Erato Alakuzidu. Classically grooving in Greece. Come on in, have a seat. Join the conversation. I'm always attracted from the very first moment, from the very first reading to those simple, stark sounds found on that magical cusp between silence and sound. Welcome to the fourth podcast in our Planetary Postcard series. Today we travel to Greece, the birthplace of democracy, philosophy, drama, and the Olympic Games, and talk to our guest, Erato Alakuzidou, who was born and currently lives in the country's second largest city, Thessaloniki. She has been playing her piano since the tender age of six and has spent her professional life creating her extensive musical repertoire, including important classical and contemporary works with an added specialization in tango music. She has studied in her home country in Belgium, Germany, and Switzerland, and is in the process of recording her latest works in Italy, a country she acknowledges as the pinnacle of her places to visit and perform in. She also performs extensively in established concerts and festivals in Serbia, Poland, Portugal, the Netherlands, Turkey, and Bulgaria. As an award-winning performer and artistic director, her passion for music and the arts is not limited to playing and performing. She's also the founding member and artistic director of the Tango's Aquatro Ensemble, the contemporary music ensemble Idee Fix, the International Workshop Festival Music Diaries, and the nonprofit organizations Be Artive, as well as being the artistic director in the Municipal Conservatory of Pelea Horthiatis. She has mentored many aspiring musicians and has been a teacher at the Conservatory of Athens since 2017 and at the State Conservatory of Thessaloniki since 2000, where she also holds the position of International Coordinator and Head of the Accompaniment Department. So, Erato, on behalf of Harry and I, good afternoon from Canada and good evening to you in Greece. Good afternoon from Greece <laughs> as well. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Oh, it's our pleasure. Harry and I have actually been looking forward to speaking with you here. And uh, to begin with, I will ask you this question. You spent a lifetime working in or connected to your music, specifically your piano, and immersed in your love of books and the arts. 
Do you recall a critical moment or period in your life when you first realized your desire to turn your dreams into reality? No, I don't think that I have a critical moment. I think that every person chooses an instrument and uh, it's an extension of the body. I mean, uh, when students are coming to the conservatory and parents are very troubled and always asking what instrument my child can start, I'm always giving them the advice to the children. I mean, I give the advice that if the children didn't have a voice and have a sound, what sound will be? Mm. Yes. And uh, if you see the musicians, we musicians can understand between us who is playing uh, wind instruments or who is playing string instruments. Because I think the instrument finalizes your personality and your personality choose the instrument. So the instrument is an extension of your body. For me, it was the same. And at what age did you begin your musical journey? My parents bought me a piano when I was around six years old. Uh, Hmm. My uncle was uh, a captain and he was traveling around. So when I was uh, four years old, they bought me a small red piano from China (sighs) with the colorful uh, notes. So after that, my parents bought me a piano at the age of six and I started some private lessons when I was around uh, the age of 10. I gave exams and I entered the State Conservatory of Thessaloniki when I graduated when I was 18 years old. Wow. So it's been a long journey, a long education. And I know, being a writer myself, that the life of an artist is not always an easy one. Can you talk about what sacrifices, if any, you have had to make in your life in order for you to follow this path of the heart? Well, I didn't have time to play with my friends. Mm. I was going outside with my parents when I was young, uh, joining many concerts. At the same time that my friends are going outside in the garden to play or going for a drink when I was a little bit older. And uh, I just spent all the time with the music. Mm. You regret losing some of that? No, because for me, music is a trip. Ah. And now I can combine. I'm very happy because uh, my work, if we can say that music is a kind of work, working as a musician gives me a lot of traveling in uh, many, many countries, which is the one thing that I love the most. Actually, because I spoke to you before, so I remember some of our conversation. Before I ask you the next question, you say you travel to many countries, but there's one country in particular you seem to light up when you speak of, and that is the country of Italy. Yes, I love all Mediterranean countries, but uh, Italy is always a passion for me. I'm in love with Italy. Recently, I've, I had some concerts also in Spain and in Portugal and also in Turkey. I mean, I visited almost all the Mediterranean countries, but I'm still in love with Italy. <laughs> and is there a specific thing about Italy that does that to you? I think that it's the feeling that uh, gives you when you're walking around the big uh, or the small cities, because history is always there. You can walk and you can turn the corner. And you are still going to be surprised of what you're going to see in front of you. And it's something amazing. And of course, the weather, the food, the people, it's something unbelievable. I think that uh, Italy can change your way of thinking and your mentality somehow. Interesting. Well, you've been and are continuing to be 
very involved in a variety of musically related projects, which also involves extensive social and very personal interaction. What are some of the greatest joys and challenging aspects of creating and running these projects? Well, turning a little bit older, I started to, to organize different kinds of things because I think that um, art, it's not only about playing music or playing an instrument or writing a book. Uh, I found actually art in many different other things like organizing a festival, being creative, uh, making uh, different kind of people having different mentality and different backgrounds all together and created a project all together. I think this is art too, in some way. Um, art is also when uh, you are imagining a festival, for example, or a concert, and you try to find out by yourself the way to make a very interesting poster mm -hmm. um, to attract people. And uh, always I'm thinking like I am the audience of the things I want to product. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I follow you, Arato, because, you know, as a writer, I've organized writing festivals, and it's exactly that. Your fingers are in every part of the creative process, from the posters to the PR, right, and to choosing the performers, et cetera, et cetera. But let me ask you this, because this, this is all about fostering culture. So let me ask okay. you about Thessaloniki. What's the cultural scene like there? Well, <laughs> I couldn't say that uh, the city I live right now, it's an ideal, uh, an ideal by my own criteria, of course, mm -hmm. and has something very, very special to offer in art, comparing other European cities of similar size, I mean. Mm -hmm. In the 80s, it might have been uh, a little bit different, but over the years, I think that it has tracked in some ways and become too predictable and static. So the reason I'm continued to be here is because, of course, it's my main job and my family, but uh, I try to organize events to offer young people what I didn't have at their age. Um, I think that uh, this is very, very important at the moment. Of course, there are uh, a state theater and a state orchestra, and some organizations are doing a great job. And of course, there are some uh, great museums, like one of the contemporary art uh, or the archaeological museum, etc. But it's not like in uh, a big city um, or a small city comparing in Italy, for example, as we spoke about Italy before. In Italy, for example, you can see even in the small villages that all people are interesting for music and the audience always is very open and they're coming to hear something new and fresh. Uh, in Greece, this is not happening. And in Thessaloniki, I think that this is not happening too. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think, and I'm very, very optimistic about the new generations that they are going to change this kind of audience and this kind of attitude in general. And what do you think the role of culture should be, especially now during this time of pandemic and fear and uncertainty, what should culture be all about now, especially? Why is it important right now? Well, culture is always very important because um, it's a living story. It's uh, the expression, it comes out of the expression of, of the people, how the people are feeling, the things that they want to say. And I think that uh, it's very important to not be silent. 
Yes. And speaking of the current times, both Harry and I are very interested in how other countries are dealing with COVID and its social, political, and economic implications. And oftentimes, we get a different story when we talk to people who are actually living there. What's the current situation in Greece, and how is it manifesting for you or those close to you? Well, at this moment, uh, we have some new rules from the government, and uh, we're strictly uh, have to walk, even in the street, wearing the mask. But until before Christmas, Christmas Eve, uh, we were able to to make some uh, um, activities outside, uh, musical events, etc. Of course, uh, the theaters are open still, but everybody has to wear a mask. And sometimes uh, it's very ridiculous because it uh, makes you feel uncomfortable. For example, you have to wear the mask when you're walking in the street. But if you're going to be in a cafe, you take out the mask <laughs> right. and you have to be seated. And then when you're going outside to the fresh air, you still have to wear the mask. And now I think there will be some penalties also for the people that they are not vaccinated. For example, they're going uh, to take uh, 100 euros from people that are over 60 years old and they are not vaccinated from their salary or from uh, their pension money every month. 100 years. That's outrageous. Yeah. Uh, incredible, really, yes. really incredible. Let yeah, me, I believe so. Well, let me just go to your music for a second, if I may, Arato. You've got yeah. a, re a recording called In Blue and White, and I saw, the yes. little, I saw the little video promo for it where you're talking about the Mediterranean as a kind of inspiration, in a way, for this recording. Can you talk about what it means to grow up near the Mediterranean and how it's influenced your music? Mediterranean for the Greek people, and I think for all European people as well, is uh, the blue of the Aegean and the white color of the houses uh, of the islands, mm. Greek islands. Yes. But Mediterranean spiritual thing, is, I think it's something completely different. It's the sounds that the nature creates and uh, you take from the nature when you are around. Where you are near the sea, all the breeze of the of the sea that comes to your face, the Mediterranean food, uh, the Byzantine uh, music that coming to your ears and being uh, transformed with traditional music makes you feel a different way. I think. Mm. And speaking of the Mediterranean, when you were talking there about the white houses, the first thing that came to my mind was Santorini. Yes. I had that image. It's, it's, With a great sunset. Yes. It's like a painting. It's almost unreal. It's so beautiful. Yes. Which brings me to my next question, but I'm going to bypass the first part because you already started talking about Italy. The second part of that question was, how does it differ from other European countries you have visited and played in? And is it a country that you would ever consider making your permanent home? The truth is that I really have many, many friends in Italy from different places and they are like family to me and uh, maybe someday I will go and stay in Italy who knows life uh, is full of surprises no yes actually actually I'm thinking of moving uh, my festival this year in Italy if that would be possible and uh, the COVID situation can allow us to do so huh. uh, I really want to move my festival or part of my festival for some days in Italy 
Interesting. Very nice. Now, with recordings like In Blue and White and Light Over Darkness, you express a very strong spiritual connection with the world around you. What is your philosophical view of life and how has it influenced your art and how you see the world? Well, the last few years, because of the project of Blue and White and the CD I made with the Lutoslavsky Quartet, in the works of Schnitke and Cancelli, uh, and the city is calling Light Over Darkness. I think silence is one matter that bothers me a lot and uh, make me think. For example, the idea around the blue and white city was the miniatures of the Greek composers to be inspired from the Mediterranean. It seems that came out that many, many people are inspired from silence. Hmm. that the Mediterranean gives hmm. as a feedback, I mean. Mm-hmm. Like the quality of the silence. Exactly. Oh, I see. And then playing completely different kind of music, like uh, the ones of Schnitke and Cancelli, that they were composers that came from uh, Soviet Union or Tbilisi. They are dealing with silence in a completely different way, maybe somehow uh, more spiritually. And it's a connection between the two projects. Mm-hmm. Actually, the next project that it's going to be recorded this uh, Easter, it's going to be the part of the project that I did the last summer called Mediterranean Miniature Sketches. But it will be a CD having miniatures written from composers that they are living in the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. And uh, the order of the pieces will be the same. Uh, they will be fixed like making a story. So I think that uh, this is going to be very important also for contemporary music around uh, Europe. And it will be very interesting also for the audience because nowadays the audience uh, think that uh, contemporary music is very difficult to hear. So when they receive a CD, they uh, probably, uh, people that they like contemporary music, could say very interesting, very well played, etc., etc., etc. And then the CD goes to the library. Uh, I make the last uh, few recordings because I want to have the idea of traveling with music. Like when we put a CD, uh, when we're driving and we're going from one place to another, and we travel also by uh, car, by train, and by music as ah. well. Ah, nice, mm. nice. Let me ask you this, Arato. I've noticed on your website, your repertoire seems to have a lot of contemporary or modern classical music that has a kind of experimental feeling about it. Would that be accurate to say? And why do you seem to gravitate towards edgier, more experimental kinds of classical music? Uh, because I think that it's nice to play music of today. Mm-hmm. And music of today is always experimental because people are wondering about themselves. Also, composers are wondering about themselves and they try to create new sounds. Of course, everything is based in Bach's music and Mozart and Beethoven. I love uh, Russian romantic music and many, many other composers like Brahms, uh, etc. But uh, I think the music of today is very, very interesting as well. Mm-hmm. And you know, by the way, There are many, many contemporary composers that are writing with a very classical way. Mm, Really? Interesting. Yes. And speaking of music, in regards to teaching tomorrow's musical artists, you say, and I quote, children are a source of inspiration that fuels my energy 
and motivation to achieve a well-rounded and multifaceted artistic result. Is this something you felt early on or later in your career? Children, I think, are all talented, 90-90%, let's say. <laughs> they are born with a... They are like uh, small artists, for example. See a small child when uh, it gets born. It sleeps with music. The first thing that the parents giving to the child is something to draw something. So small children are drawing all the time. This is art. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let me ask you a kind of a personal question, and it's a kind of a two-part question. And the question is, in your life so far that you've lived, what would you consider your greatest regret, if you have one? And what would you consider your greatest accomplishment so far? <laughs> Difficult question. I don't think I have a regret. Mm -hmm. I don't think I regret for anything. Mm. Maybe one thing that um, I can say that I regret is um, that I didn't have uh, the wisdom when I was younger in age to take notes of my grandparents. I mean, uh, about the history of their places, because uh, all of them, there were refugees from Inner Asia. Oh. So I would like to have the history of my family tree. And now everybody almost is dead. And I don't know my roots, yeah. my family roots. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is one thing that uh, I regret because I didn't have the wisdom to take notes yeah. or to ask more. But uh, I, I don't say that I regret anything in my life. Mm -hmm. I have a motto saying that never give up. And uh, if you can dream something, you can do it. Nice. So whatever I've dreamed, I've tried to accomplish it and to do it. And your greatest accomplishment? Um, having good students and growing up with my students, enjoying them in their lives where they have family and uh, children of their own. And I think that uh, during the 30 years that I'm teaching now, because I'm teaching uh, since I was 90 years old, I'm very, very happy that I put some art in their life and make them think with a completely different way, out of the box, let's say. Mm, beautiful. And you mentioned the migration through Asia Minor. Part of me wonders your whole musical life in terms of how it might have influenced your compositions or the style or approach that you took to music in general. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a very, very strange feeling for the Greeks, I think, when they're visiting uh, the places in Turkey, in the main Eurasia, in Istanbul or Constantinopolis for us, or Smyrna for us. By the way, my best friend, she's actually like a sister. She's from uh, Izmir, and her grandparents are from uh, Thessaloniki and Creta. And we met before 10 or 14 years in a Congress in uh, Poland. And since that moment, we are like family. She's like my sister and she's living in Izmir. That's interesting, Rato. This is a side note, but many years ago, I took on an artistic name when I was creating posters for theater companies and that sort of thing. And my name that I took on uh -huh. that came to me was Ace, uh -huh. Ace Osmer. 
And I didn't even know that Izmir existed in Turkey until somebody said, you know, there's a, a city in Turkey called Izmir. And then I proceeded to have a dream, have a dream in which I was a merchant in Turkey. <laughs> and uh, so there's a connection to Turkey and Izmir that's very strange and uh, blurry here. But anyways, over to you, yeah, Peter. Something, Back to else, you. something else you don't probably know that Harry was in the movie The Greek Wedding. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, go ahead. Uh, well, uh, now I'm thinking one accomplishment uh, one can say. It could be that I have an international family. I feel like my family is all around the world because family is not the people that the, you grew up with, uh, I mean by blood. Yeah. Family is the people that you choose to have in your life mm -hmm. uh, in one way or another. So I think that uh, one of my accomplishments is that I created a very, very beautiful family consisting from uh, different uh, artists and musicians that they're living all around the world. And uh, even uh, if we don't spend every day together, when we meet, it's like we are every moment together. And it's like the time, it doesn't exist. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And no better way to promote peace, is there, really? Mm -hmm. No. <laughs> there is no better way. Yes. I just wanted to give you the opportunity before we close today to mention any events, uh, websites, anything related to your work, what you're doing, where you're going, and so on? Uh, one of the things is that I'm going to record the next project with the contemporary uh, music. Many composers are writing pieces especially for that project. Uh. And the title of the CD will be The Silent Landscape. Mm -hmm. uh, Silent Landscapes. And everybody is inspiring from Mediterranean. And I would like to welcome you all to hear the CD or visit the website because those people are writing extremely beautiful music. And it's very, very interesting for somebody to get in touch with. And could you please give and spell your website? It's uh, com. I think we need to spell Erato Alekuzidu. <laughs> <laughs> well, all my friends that are living abroad, they call me Erato because the accent is uh, it's like the Italian, Erato, Erato. Yes, but, uh, yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> I used it, so. Erato. Erato, Erato, yes. Which is E-R-A-T-O. Yes. And your last Erato name? was one of the nine newsies. Ah. Ah, Okay. Mm -hmm. And your last name is spelled? Alakiozidu. A-L-A-K-I-O-Z-I-D-O-U. Perfect. Thank you very much. When I first heard you pronounce your name, it sounded very Japanese. Mm -hmm. Sounds Japanese, yes. Erato. Hi. <laughs> well, Greek or Japanese, there is an expression, no? Saying that uh, seems like Greek or seems like Japanese, but... <laughs> but I just learned something. <laughs> Listen, Erato, I just uh, wanted to uh, thank you very much, not just for this podcast, but for the brief conversations we had leading up to this. And we certainly will uh, keep tabs on uh, what you're doing on the Mediterranean front and anywhere else that you go. Of course, we wish you, and uh, I remember too from the conversations that your mother recently recovered from COVID. So yes. we're glad to hear that too. And I hope that you have an extremely enjoyable, successful, and just uh, flourishing rest of your career. 
Yes, thank you so much, Arato. Thank you. Thank you both for the invitation. It was really a pleasure having the discussion with you, and we will be in touch. And I wish you all a very good year. Thank you. Thank you, Arato. Kisses to both of you. Thank you, Arato. Thank you. <laughs> Have a wonderful rest of your evening. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You too. Ciao. 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 Quite an interesting conversation. What a lovely spirit. Lovely spirit. Yes, she is. She and, is. well, I guess we're going to have to say goodbye again. Please give us your feedback. If you're listening in, we'd really appreciate hearing from you and your thoughts on the show or anything else you'd like to describe. And on that note, ciao, Harry. Ciao, Peter. The Sill Podcast is a Connecting Dots Media production. Available at thesillpodcast.com. Thank you for your donation to The Sill Podcast.